Hello family, namaste. So um, today's episode, we're having uh, Javier Reguero as a guest. For me, this is a very special moment and a very special guest. Um, probably uh, what I uh, went through after my visit to his uh, ayahuasca center in Pisac in the, in the Sacred Valley of Peru, it's has contributed uh, in a great way to me being here, creating this podcast uh, so I can keep inspiring others in their own path. Um, Javier Regueiro, he's a maestro ayahuasquero with thousands of ceremonies um, in his experience and um, he's he's a white man he's not uh, he's a Spanish uh, born raised in in Switzerland uh, he used to be a professional DJ and a, a, a massage therapist and um, and you'll hear about his background and experience later on on the podcast but I want to share a little bit of what I went through when um, I met him or how I met him. So it was in a very critical moment in my life. I've always considered myself a happy-go-lucky person. I've, uh, I think if you ask anybody in my community that knows me, I've always been pretty much drama-free. I've always loved doing what I do and I've always found a way to be doing what I love. Um, in this uh, particular time, I was living in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and um, I just met uh, who will be my partner until now, and um, uh, Bianca, my goddess, and um, she moved into my house, and it was a, it, it was a very beautiful story how we met. But anyways, uh, she had uh, been uh, having a presence of a snake during her meditations, and and shortly after we met, she had a revelation that she wanted to do ayahuasca, engage with Mother Ayahuasca, and um, you know uh, my experience with psychedelics was. Uh, mushrooms and um and i mean uh so far for me mushrooms have uh, were uh, an amazing tool to discover that there was another story there was another perspective in life uh i i had used them so far in a recreational way uh, always with lots of respect and love for uh, this precious tool but never had what uh, well, I actually, by mistake, had a not a hero's dose, but a larger dose, and uh, I experienced an amazing change in my in my reality and consciousness. But um, ayahuasca was something I've heard, but never put too much attention to it. Um, so when Bianca mentioned that she was called to do ayahuasca, I I told her that my mom happened to be in Peru and she was in her own path of working with Mother Ayahuasca. Um, long story short, we connected, the three of us, and my mom said, guys, don't even think about doing ayahuasca in Canada. 
I'm here, come visit me to the Sacred Valley. And, uh, and I have an amazing facilitator, Javier Regueiro. Uh, and we flew there a few weeks after. And my oh my, uh, nothing could have prepared me for that experience. For me, it was like feeling like a three-year-old, like a child nested in my mom's arms, which was Pachamama. And I often use this example that if you've watched uh, IMAX movies or 3, 3D movies, this was like that on steroids. It was the most unbelievably beautiful movie because I, I was the main character and I was surrounded by love of nature and all the cosmic beings. Um, I had many visions, I had many realizations, and that was a pivotal moment in my life that uh, made me choose between staying comfortable and doing cool things or really venturing into a journey that will take me to the furthest places of that I've ever been in the world and to be in a mission to help others reconnect with themselves. Um, and that's why, for me, this interview with Javier Reguero ha has a special place in my heart because um, it really allowed me to see beyond my own veils, even though I, I was super happy and I was living a blissful life, but I was not sharing my true gift with the world. And this was a wake-up call. It was Jose. You have a work. You have work to do here. Stand up. Don't don't be lazy and do your best. Um, I hope you enjoy this interview. And as always, if you enjoy this interview or any of the other interviews, I will kindly appreciate uh, if you subscribe and you rate this podcast on iTunes or Spotify because it really helps me. Uh, reach more people so they so the message can be like wildfire and get to every single home on its way. Um, my purpose is to inspire you, inspire your friends, your family to also live a life of purpose and share your gift with the world. Uh, welcome, Javier. Uh, welcome to the Urban Awakening podcast. This is our third episode and I'm thrilled to introduce Javier Reguero. He's a Spanish national born, raised in Switzerland. He's a certified massage therapist Swedish, uh, from the Swedish Institute of Massage Therapy in New York, a rebirther, and an avatar master, which I would love you to explain that a little bit later. Uh, you moved to Peru in 2004 to study Amazonian plant medicine and shamanism. And since 2005, you were a student of the great Don Francisco Montes, a plant medicine person and perfumer of the Capanagua descent. And... Fast forward now, you are in PSAC and, um, and, you, and you have lots of, you have a new project that I want you to tell us a little bit about in a bit. And uh, yeah, um, welcome. And why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Well, I think you've said it all pretty much already. Uh, one thing that um, you have not mentioned is that I have... Uh, written two books 
one on ayahuasca called Ayahuasca Soul Medicine of the Amazon. And the other one is uh, San Pedro Huachuma, Opening the Ways of the Heart, as well as a weekly podcast called Plant Medicine Transmissions. Mm -hmm. And um, all of these are um, efforts on my part to support others uh, by sharing my own insights uh, on plant medicine, on healing, and on spirituality so that people can make the most uh, along their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, plant medicines have become uh, very popular in the last few years. Uh, however, um, oftentimes people fail to receive what they intuit is available to them through this process. Uh, So much so that in many cases, plant medicine becomes just another missed opportunity for real growth and healing. Um, In my opinion, this stems from many misunderstandings about what healing and spirituality are really about. Um, Spirituality and plant medicine, uh, they are not, they're they're tools. They are not uh, the end of it all. Uh, Quite the opposite. Uh, oftentimes engaging in these processes uh, does not provide any final answers. On the contrary, they oftentimes open, they catalyze transformation. Mm -hmm. And that's where many people fail to complete the process. Somehow, uh, even to this day, we are still seeking for a magic pill, Mm -hmm. for something that will uh, simply put an end to all of our struggles, to our pain, to our confusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have looked for magic pills for lifetimes Mm -hmm. and have not found any available. Why is that? because that is not the goal in life as far as i'm concerned and everything i say is simply my viewpoint Mm -hmm. okay Um, the goal in life is 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 not to find uh, an end to it we are still in the process of growth of evolution and also, as far as I'm concerned, of creation. Uh, therefore, to seek an end of it all is, as far as I'm concerned, not the right goal. Um, but plant medicines, uh, spirituality can help us in, uh, if anything, in, uh, first of all, uh, lightening up, 
uh, healing and letting go of uh, things, of patterns, of wounds that no longer serve us, but also uh, in so doing, uh, they give us uh, a new lease on life, so to speak. Uh, I say to the people who, who come to my retreats, you know, if you come out of this place with a renewed interest, enthusiasm about life and feeling a little bit more um, uh, uh, capable of continuing your journey, uh, a little bit more confident in yourself, then my job is done. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, I thank you very much for sharing those words. I feel that nowadays, and that was going to be actually my next question, like there's so ayahuasca is, and all most plant medicines and even psychedelics are booming. I think there's a renaissance in psychedelics and ayahuasca right mm -hmm. now, it's, it's everywhere. Everybody talks about it. They, According to uh, a recent study in Spain, I think there's about 100 ayahuasca daily in Spain. Uh, ayahuasca yeah. sessions, either by small communities or commercially or whatever. Um, and I, I hear this too, uh, very often because um, I actually, after I met you, and I'll tell about my experience with you in your beautiful center, uh, I've been hosting retreats with people, not offering plant medicine, but just offering uh, a space for transformation. And everybody's like, oh, I just have to do, go, go do ayahuasca and everything will be okay. I'm like, no, like I think that's the, mis <laughs> that's the misconception. I think that's where the journey starts. I think it, like you were saying, it, it, it just provides a new, uh, um, a, a new perspective. And what people are lacking, I think, is the discipline to do the work, you know, what they learned and to apply it. Yeah, that's, that is the challenge and in, uh, in that, it's important for people who are feeling the call to engage with this medicine to be very conscious, very aware of the fact that this is a catalyst for change. And it's a catalyst for a change that is out of our control. Uh, it is not going to unfold in the way we wish. Uh, you know, plant medicine is, is part of our uh, wealth of spiritual paths. And in spirituality, there is no space for our own little personal agendas and desires. It is about meeting what we need to meet, not what we want to meet necessarily. Uh, so it's a place where the ego has little, little place. And oftentimes people engaging, say, with ayahuasca, I, you know, ayahuasca translates as the barn of death, meaning that what is no longer useful to us uh, will be uh, called to die. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And so, you know, healing, uh, real healing uh, is not uh, like, say, for instance, um, there are medications commercially available for uh, heartburn. Mm -hmm. And the advertising says you can keep eating the garbage that creates heartburn and just take this pill and it's going to be okay. And you can continue eating that garbage. Ayahuasca is not a medication. It's a medicine. It's a medicine that will call us to change our ways. To change, oftentimes, habits that we are deeply attached to. So, um, we, we say, we say, you know, one of the reasons why we go to plant medicines is because we are sick and tired of our own predicament. And we say we want a change. However, it's important to uh, remember that change, no matter how deeply we long for it, is also what we fear the most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And therefore, people who start engaging in this process need to be aware, you know, am I truly willing to have my life changed inside out in ways that I cannot even foresee? Mm -hmm. And in that, when uh, people wish to engage in this process, to, uh, to take that into consideration and to ask themselves, uh, what is my support system for after this experience? Mm -hmm. uh, who is around me that I can go to for, for guidance, for mirroring, for support? Because the truth is that in the weeks, months, years after this experience, uh, we find ourselves oftentimes more confused than ever, more at a loss, because our lives as we have known it, our own selves as we have known it, will crumble. And that is a challenging experience for most. You know, in my own personal experience, uh, I have found myself at times going like, wow, uh, do I need to let go also of this mm. and of this? And that letting go is also, you know, it's, it's a dying to ourselves. And so that dying entails also a grieving process. And as Westerners, we don't know how to grieve. We don't know how to let go. We say we want to let go, but we find ourselves oftentimes at a loss as to go, how to go about it. Mm -hmm. So drinking ayahuasca is not a solution. 
is simply uh, an, another step, a very radical step along our journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit how, how you got introduced to uh, ayahuasca and plant medicine? How, how do you got to do what you're doing right now? Um, I first drank ayahuasca in the mid-90s. Um, I was very fortunate because I had already very important tools. Actually, you had mentioned Avatar. Uh, Avatar is a self-development uh, course uh, out of the U.S. Uh, that has provided me with very important tools to explore my inner landscape. Uh, and uh, I was invited to a ceremony. Uh, a handful of friends of mine had done it before, and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm signing up. And I... In the three weeks leading to the ceremony, I prepared myself very thoroughly, not just with diet and certain behavior restrictions, but I used the avatar tools to explore whatever resistances, whatever fear. You know, uh, drinking ayahuasca, uh, for me, at its most powerful, ayahuasca is about facing our deepest fears. Therefore, the moment we start entertaining the idea of drinking ayahuasca, in most cases, our fears resurface. Uh, we project those fears onto ayahuasca, but it's really our own fears. Mm -hmm. So in those three weeks, I explored those fears and I arrived at the ceremony uh, totally ready. Mm -hmm. I, I knelt before the person who was leading the ceremony and I was ready and I was like an empty vessel mm -hmm. ready to be filled by this medicine. I was so ready that actually in the first two hours of that experience, I went through a total disintegration of my ego wow. and of the of creation as I knew it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a scary ride, but I was willing and I was ready. Mm -hmm. So despite the challenge of the experience, there was no resistance on my part. And at the end of that scary ride, I received uh, a very important uh, insight, which was actually a confirmation of something that I had been exploring already for some years. And after that very short insight, I spent the following two hours in uh, a state of gratitude that I had never experienced before, that I did not even know was possible. So that, um, that preparation uh, was most important uh, so that I wouldn't 
resist what the medicine was to offer me. Uh, when, uh, when we start resisting under the effects of ayahuasca, it's a very painful experience. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I think it's the most uh, painful of all experiences. And, and, that, and that, but that teaches us that our own resistance to life, to our own experience, is what creates our own suffering. We create our own suffering by resisting life. Mm -hmm. um, another thing about that first experience is that I actually spent the following whole year integrating that experience. For a whole year, I did not touch any mind-altering substances of any kind. Uh, I was just digesting that experience. And uh, integration, digesting the experience is, as far as I'm concerned, the most important part of this process. Without the integration, as far as I'm concerned, uh, drinking ayahuasca is a waste of medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the, mm, I live in Peru. In, uh, for the last 12 years up in the Andes near Machu Picchu, the spirituality of the native people of this area is not something abstract. It's not just a series of concepts, uh, but it's something deeply connected with everyday life. Mm -hmm. So if we don't apply the insights that we have received under the effects of this or that medicine, then the experience, as far as the native people of this area, the experience is worth nothing at all. Mm -hmm. That, uh, so to speak, the spiritual center of this planet has shifted in recent years from the Himalayas to the Andes is a sign, is a sign that the time for abstract for spirituality, the way to escape from earthly reality, mm -hmm. that time is over. Now, as, uh, as human beings, and uh, particularly as Westerners, we have a tendency and we have a long tradition that has supported that tendency, a tendency to look elsewhere, to uh, long for heaven or long for nirvana, for a place 
away from our everyday life. Um, those times are over. And yet, even people engaging with ayahuasca sometimes uh, cannot help but using that experience as yet another way to escape from themselves and from their lives. In my opinion, these medicines are valuable only as a tool to engage with our lives and with ourselves rather than escaping from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, a, it's an important aspect that uh, it's important to be aware of this tendency that we, that we carry of wanting to escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely... People, who, people yeah, definitely. who are looking for somewhere else, for something else, for a different themselves, uh, I would not advise them to drink ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Because that's not the point. And eventually, the medicine will catch up with them and show them what's really important. Mm-hmm. So, and what's important is not looking elsewhere, but looking deep inside oneself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, one of the most important quotes in my life is by Carl Jung, who said, um, your vision will become clear only when you look inside your heart. Mm. Those who look outside themselves dream those who look inside themselves awaken. Wow, powerful. Wow, beautiful quote. Yeah. Um, so to, um, thank you. And um, I'm, you know, Netflix, I go on Netflix and I see there's one documentary, two documentaries of ayahuasca. They just keep popping by. And even in YouTube, there's ads. And, but there's also this other side of ayahuasca, you know, like I've, you know, there's all these horror stories because in the end it has become also a business, you know, for the natives or whatnot. So for our listeners, what, what should they be aware when looking for somebody to facilitate? Because you were saying this is probably going to be the most crucial experience or the most impacting experience in their life. So what should they be aware or, or look for when looking for a master or a ayahuasca facilitator? Um, in my books, uh, I have uh, written uh, a whole chapter of questions um, for people who are interested in engaging in this process as they look around. But in these questions, the first questionnaire is a series of questions to oneself mm. about, you know, am I, am I really ready and willing to offer to the medicine uh, what is required of me. You know, this is an exchange between the medicine and ourselves. So, you know, when, when we're going to uh, sign up for a ceremony, 
to believe that all that is required of us is just to pay, just like we're going to a movie theater so that we're entitled to two hours of entertainment is erroneous. Um, and then there is a series of questions to ask the, uh, the possible uh, ceremony leader or host. Uh, I think as, as for someone who's looking for um, a ceremony or retreat, the best way is by uh, looking around. And the best way is by actually um, uh, receiving recommendations by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, real recommendations. Not the testimonials on someone's website because mm -hmm. they will not post testimonials that are negative. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but someone who's had that experience in that place with those people uh, is most likely be more accurate. But in that, also, it's important to be aware that what may have worked for somebody may not necessarily work for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even those recommendations are to be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, personally, you know, as a plant medicine person, I limit my ceremonies and retreats to 10 participants. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because many years ago, I was uh, dieting with my teacher in the jungle. And on one occasion, his, uh, he had like 15 guests. And uh, my experience was that even my teacher, uh, who's a wonderful plant medicine person, could not really handle that. Um, and therefore, I decided to limit it to 10 people mm -hmm. because this is a very powerful experience. And if we do not have the support that we may need, that powerful experience can actually turn into a traumatic one. Mm -hmm. So to actually have somebody that has the time to offer guidance and support is most important. Before actually signing up for any of this, it's important to also look inside and be honest with oneself. Say, for instance, if I have had a paranoid experiences in my daily life or catalyzed by mind-altering substances of any kind in the past, you know, that points to very deeply seated fears. Uh, to uh, if someone carries deep traumas, uh, simply drinking medicine will not magically solve any of that. 
So for those people who carry a lot of fear and a lot of pain, for them, I believe it is mandatory to choose plant medicine circles and retreats that are very small. I would say a maximum of 15 people. Mm, okay. Because most likely, you know, the medicine will not magically make disappear all of this. But, you know, the healing process is not one by, you know, instant vanishing into thin air, but is actually by going through it, by going into our deepest fear, by going into our pain. And, you know, these are aspects of ourselves that we have pushed away, that we have repressed, that we have hidden from ourselves. And sometimes we are not, you know, meeting those aspects of ourselves can be truly challenging. Mm. So to have a smaller and supportive environment uh, is ideal in mm -hmm. those cases. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, possibly, you know, to ask the questions, you know, if, if the plant medicine person is uh, visiting, uh, is to ask, how long are they going to be here? Am I able to meet them before and afterwards? Uh, should I wish or need to? Uh, in many cases nowadays, the plant medicine person appears an hour before the ceremony and before you wake up the next morning, they're already gone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. And that can leave someone in a deep state of confusion. Uh -huh. And oftentimes what happens is that uh, you talk about it with other participants or with friends or this or that, but who better than the plant medicine person who led the ceremony can actually support you in dispelling that confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I believe that these are important questions to ask. And last but not least, you know, we may sign up for a ceremony or a retreat. Everything is ready to go and you show up and it just doesn't feel right for whatever reason. I invite people to just say, thank you very much, but no thank you. It doesn't, it doesn't we don't need to have a clear idea of why, but if our gut feelings are telling us this is not the right place, the right time, to honor that and to leave. Mm -hmm. We owe it to ourselves more than to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And the same is for a retreat. You know, when, uh, when people come here for, for a retreat, I make it very clear to them at the very beginning and say, you know, this is about you. It's not about showing up to each and every ceremony just because you paid for it or because it's scheduled. This is about you 
please take this process in your own hands. If you don't feel to come to any uh, activity or to a ceremony or two, it's fine. It's totally fine. Mm. Because this is part of your process. And it's not about uh, keeping up with the Joneses. It's not about proving to anybody else that you're cool. It's about connecting with our own needs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And yeah, I was, honoring that. Mm -hmm. uh, I must say, I, I was, uh, my first experience was with you, as I mentioned before, and we were 10 people, and it was simply amazing. And ever since I've done ayahuasca with three more facilitators, and mm -hmm. I was pretty spoiled into the, into the, the last one. And we were 50, 45, we were 45. And I was like, you know, these are the kind of sessions I've been talked about, I've been warned about. And, and, and you know, and um, I'm not gonna say names, but it came from the greatest lineage of Colombia and whatever. And I was, you know, I had a very positive experience. Um, I still can say that your experience has always been like, the first one has always been like, wow. But um, uh, yeah, there was nobody, like I do my own, I have my own work done, but I could see how other people, when the facilitator arrives half an hour before the session and leaves in the morning, there was a closing circle, but there was no time like, to chat afterwards that much personally. So I can, I can see how some people that don't have their own practice can um, uh, be lost after such a, an expansive experience. Um, so, so thank you very much for, for sharing, uh, these wise, uh, tips and let's say this plant medicine, how to guide. And I deeply encourage everybody to, to get his books. They're available on Amazon, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have the ayahuasca one. I, 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 am for sure going to get the wachuma because that's something that's another ceremony that I was mind blown. It was, it, was, it was a struggle with my ego, not letting go, and then finally learning how to breathe and surrender to the teachings. <laughs> yeah, I, I still, I still uh, tell people that story, like how after taking Wachuma, I, I was so many, like I, it was a couple hours that it didn't affect me, you know? And I was just felt like I'm poisoned and I'm, what am I doing here? And, and you gave me another dose and I was like, I just feel swollen. This is probably how the, the doors felt in the desert. This is the end. And, um, and finally, it was, it was something in my mind, maybe because it's male, male energy. I, I was able to surrender and everything started to, it was like everything has been there. You just had to surrender. Um, but um, yeah. how can plant medicine support us in our awakening process in a meaningful way? Because people, as you say, some people are just doing it because to tick the box. Oh, I've done ayahuasca. I've gone to India, you know, but it's, it's, it was reserved for the highest elite back in the day. And we're so privileged that now it's available to us. Thanks to people like you. So, um, in our present times, uh, most people, engage in their spirituality or healing uh, without um, a teacher, without a guide. 
um, as you said, you know, these medicines, these ancestral medicines, um, used to be uh, part of an, an it's an initiation, and therefore, you know, you may express your desire to undergo that initiation. But only when the shaman, the plant medicine person, felt that you were ready for it, then you would <clears throat> be welcome mm -hmm. to a ceremony. Nowadays, uh, in most cases, all that is required of you is the cash to pay for it. Mm -hmm. uh, it is not... Uh, always the case that there is a screening process, a registration process, a meeting face-to-face -face with the person who's actually going to lead the ceremony. So um, what is important, um, if we want this experience to be something valuable for the rest of our lives, uh, is actually by not skipping steps. That is, if, um, if I hold a deep resentment, uh, an unhealed wound that I've played out, say for instance, with my father or my mother, to actually go around the world going, I love everybody and we're all one, is bullshit. <laughs> is what is known nowadays as spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an avoidance. It's a going on to a higher level of consciousness uh, in order not to deal with uh, our own baggage. That baggage will not disappear just by uh, overstepping it. It is, as far as I'm concerned, a, a rule of consciousness. And it's a very logical one that we always fall back onto the heaviest uh, level of our consciousness. No matter how high we go. So people, and this is a challenge for many people who engage with uh, plant medicines or mind-altering substances, is that they have amazing peak experiences but they're not able to sustain them. And they, in the days, weeks, couple of months, uh, eventually that expansion starts. Uh, and they find themselves exactly where they started. In many cases, in order to reconnect with that higher level of consciousness, what these people do is they ingest those substances again. 
and again and again. So those medicines, they become crutches. They become drugs. Mm -hmm. A wonderful way to avoid uh, adding our names to the list of those people is actually by uh, engaging in this process by addressing deliberately, consciously, uh, our heaviest uh, aspects. So say for instance, uh, I have a deep fear of dying. You know, which is something that you could say relates to the first chakra. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it's the heaviest, densest level of our being. Instead of going to a ceremony, uh, asking the medicine to make that fear vanish, uh, magically so, is by actually going into the ceremony with the intention of exploring that fear. Mm. That is a wonderful way because if I, if I have a deep fear of dying, uh, chances are that the medicine will bring that up to my face sooner or later. And if I have been in a place of uh, repressing that fear, when that fear comes up, I'm probably going to be resisting it. I'm probably going to start saying, no, no, I don't want to see this. However, if we go into the ceremony asking with that prayer, please support me in exploring my fear of dying, then when that, that fear comes up, instead of resisting, I'm going like, oh, I'm getting what I asked for. Thank you. Because hmm. whatever aspects of ourselves that we resist consciously or unconsciously, before we know it, it's going to show up. And it's going to show up in full screen with nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So we may as well go into it and ask deliberately to explore those aspects. And so, and, and to go starting at the basement, starting, you know, not going to ayahuasca and go like, you know, I want to speak with the extraterrestrials. You're not ready and it's bullshit. And how does that help you? You know, Go with, go with your deepest fears. Go with your, your, uh, your ambivalence about your gender, your sexuality, your relations, uh, the unresolved uh, psychological uh, aspects with your mom and your dad and whoever else. Uh, you know, really go with all those things that keep showing up in your life, if they keep showing up in your life, is because they are not resolved. Mm -hmm. 
if they keep showing up in your life is because those experiences still have much to teach you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, once, once we deal with whatever is, you know, so to speak, in our lower chakras, everything else unfolds by itself and it's a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. Once we deal with mommy and daddy, everything else is a piece mm -hmm. of cake. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to um, uh, go to a ceremony with somebody like you, you know, that, it's, that has this awareness and this preparation to hold space because many of us don't understand many of these things, you know? So that's why it's so important to have a reliable guide in this experience because we're like toddlers going with uh, mother ayahuasca and we need somebody to guide us sometimes a little bit, you know, and, and, and yeah, that or, or, you know, if it's not the plant medicine person himself or herself to actually, uh, you know, a wonderful way for many Westerners is to actually integrate plant medicine with some form of valid psychotherapy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that, that takes know, me to the next point integration we're talking nowadays a lot about uh, integrating traditional and modern medicine mm -hmm. well you know let's do it also here you know uh, there are uh, therapists that can actually support us in pointing out those things that we would rather not look at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, um, I was just this last summer in, a, in the first Bufo Alvarius conference in Mexico. Uh -huh. And yeah. um, have you tried Bufo? No, um, I don't feel cold. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, it's a very radical experience, very fast. It's an explosion, yeah. but... Yeah. You know, we were saying like uh, the main uh, topic addressed because there were lots of scientists and neuroscientists and psychologists and psychoanalysts and even psychiatrists. And we're saying that the main um, issue with uh, the bufo is that it's so fast and it's so powerful and everybody can give it, let's say. But then integration. Integration is crucial. And, and I think with ayahuasca also and, and all these medicines, I think that's a big step that most people are, are, are jumping, are skipping? So, the, uh, in my opinion, the strongest the experience, the longest and more work it takes to actually integrate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's no escaping it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why, for instance, uh, so another aspect of plant medicine uh, that is important to be mindful of is that, you know, um, plant medicine has been developed over millennia. And um, it's, it's a process that engages all levels of our being. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. 
if somebody is looking for his, if somebody, say for instance, have smoked uh, DMT, and they go like, oh, oh, well, you know, there's DMT in ayahuasca. I'm going to go and drink ayahuasca to have the same DMT experience. Well, they're going to be um, disappointed because it's not the same. It's not the same, and ayahuasca is not mental masturbation. Forgive my Spanish. Um, it's, it's, it's a process that asks of us to show up fully and not to show up fully just during the experience, but to show up as fully and as wholeheartedly as possible to ourselves, to all of our relations, to life as a whole for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, what happened in 2005? What happened in 2005? So in 2004, uh, I, uh, I, I was living in Barcelona and I knew that I was done living there. Uh, I was done also being a professional DJ as I had been in the previous few years. So I went for uh, a trip around the world for a year. And in the middle of it, I went to, um, to the jungle in Peru for the first time for an ayahuasca retreat, uh, of which I was very much in need of. Uh, the experience was so uh, wonderful and this is an aspect of ayahuasca that is really amazing. Uh, most, most people who drink ayahuasca, they are so grateful that they start asking themselves, how can I support this medicine? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you are now uh, doing a podcast that is in a way, a way of supporting this medicine mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and of offering your gratitude to it, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, I asked myself the question, you know, what, what can I do? And, and then uh, a couple of weeks after leaving the jungle, I find myself going, oh, I should study plant medicine. And immediately I told myself, I'm like, Javier, it's not nearly as glamorous as you think, which it isn't. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, I've always loved plants. And so the next year in 2005, I went to Iquitos for a couple of months to find out whether I was serious about this intention of studying plant medicine. And in the first few ceremonies, um, I had a vision uh, of, it was a map of the world. And, um, and it showed uh, Switzerland as a departing point and then 
going to Asia, living in Japan, moving back to Switzerland, moving to the States, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, looking at that map, I was like, you're insane. And then I asked myself, for the first time in my life, you know, I'd always been aware that my living in different countries, in different cultures, stem from an interest in other people's ways and cultures. But I never asked myself until that night another question. And that question was, what have you been running away from all this time? And it was very easy, you know, I just went backwards and that long line pointed to my parents' home in Switzerland. And so that night, I turned around 180 degrees and I vowed to go back to that place that I had been uh, running away from all my life and eventually healing those wounds that were connected with my family, with my place of birth. Hmm. Wow, beautiful, yeah. It was like the hero's journey. You went back home and, uh, and now, now you're, you're embarking in, in a whole new journey, right? Because um, recently, you, uh, well, a while ago, you were offered to take over your uh, teacher's center in, in the Amazon, right? Yes. Um, I, um, I was offered to take over my teacher's previous healing center. And uh, two years ago, I committed to actually moving there, of leaving PISAC and moving there, not just to work. Uh, initially, I thought that I would just manage this other place in the jungle, but uh, keep my base here in the mountains. And then with time, I realized that I did not just want to go there three months a year to take groups. Uh, but I wanted to be there to love this place, to mm. care for this place, mm -hmm. uh, and to learn from it. I see uh, as the best way for us at this particular point in history, nothing more uh, noble, so to speak, than actually care for this earth in whichever way we can. Mm -hmm. I found that actually living here in Pisac with my healing center and taking care of this land, however small, and to uh, strive as best as I could to be in, so to speak, right relation with my environment um, has been most rewarding because everything we put out, we receive many folds. Mm -hmm. So when we start caring for, for the earth, the earth starts caring for us in return. And, um, and 
you know, if there is one, you know, your, your podcast is urban awakening, you know, uh, as modern people, most of us are deeply disconnected from the earth. Mm-hmm. And earth is, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest of teachers and the greatest of doctors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, ayahuasca, for instance, ayahuasca is not a substance. Ayahuasca carries within itself the energy of the Amazon jungle. Mm. It's a lot of medicine. It's a lot of teaching. It's a lot of wisdom that is not just the plant. It's the whole world that this plant carries within mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. So by actually connecting with the earth, we regain access to more wisdom and medicine than we can even know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I'm in the process of moving to the jungle and, uh, and uh, continuing my work there. And in particular is continuing my teacher's legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an oral tradition. It's not something that can be studied on books or anything. It's something that needs to be experienced. And because of that, if... Um, if those teachings are not transmitted forward to new generations, they're instantly lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe that uh, the tradition that my teacher carries of his people, of this part of the world, is worth the pain in the ass of moving to the jungle and getting bitten by mosquitoes on a daily basis. Uh-huh. Because, because the first time I went to the jungle, I received so much. And here was a person that had committed himself to carrying on this precious tradition. And I do believe, you know, my move to the jungle is not for myself. It's for our progeny. It's for our children and grandchildren. And I believe that uh, they will appreciate that this tradition is not totally lost. Mm. And they can themselves drink from this wealth of wisdom. Mm. Well, thank you. Is there an expected um, time for you to do the full move? I know that it's taking time slowly. Hati, hati. I, I finally, I finally uh, managed to let go of my expectations. And so, you know, in the best of cases, uh, I will reopen in May of 2020, but possibly May of 2021. Okay. And currently you're, you're having people in your PSAC center? No, I closed my center here in Pisac uh, a year ago mm-hmm. in order to focus my energies and time to this important mm-hmm. move. Oh, well. okay. and, um, and it was uh, it was a wise decision because I needed a break 
and also because uh, I, I, this is a very important step and shift in my life and I need to prepare myself uh, as much as possible before I'm there, before certain issues uh, slap me on the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been good. Uh, and finally, I'm letting go of expectations mm. and trust that timing will be perfect, not according to my ego and my expectations, but on a bigger scale, just perfect. Mm, thank you. So um, one last question. So you, you see, you've seen dozens, uh, I don't know if probably hundreds of people through your uh, 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 center or working with plant medicine. Thousands, thousands, thousands. There you go, thousands. Um, and you, is there like a common uh, issue that everybody has? Like, what what's that thing that is that keeps holding us back from living a fulfilled life and and and, and being who we are? Um, the most common is what is most common about humans. And that is that we all feel on a level or another that we are not uh, taking full advantage of this unique experience of a human life. Mm. That somehow we fail Uh, or have failed this far uh, to fully uh, bite into our very own apple. Mm. Um, And uh, I think that the worst way to, to end a life is being Uh, on our deathbed full of regrets and remorse. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we intuit that we're here to fulfill a purpose. And plant medicine can support us in uh, making steps ahead in order to fulfill that purpose. Now, for me, uh, that, that purpose is ultimately to accept ourselves mm-hmm. as we are, to embrace the totality of who we are as much as possible, Ultimately, the surrender that uh, spirituality invites us into is a surrender to the totality of who we are. And once we do surrender to ourselves, then there is no lack. There is nothing missing. Because within ourselves, we already carry everything and more than we can possibly imagine. So when we speak about fulfilling a purpose, I do believe that that purpose is not a mission 
outside ourselves. The first mission, so to speak, is to actually accept and love and honor and appreciate ourselves to the highest degree. Mm. Wow, beautiful said. Um, so right now you're not hosting retreats, but if somebody wanted to get in contact or sign up to your mailing list, do they just have to go to your website and, uh, and they could receive yes. the latest? Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, they can either uh, uh, contact me through my own personal website, javierregueiro.com, or through uh, my plant medicine website, which is called ayaruna.com. Ayaruna.com. Perfect. Thank you very much, Javier. It's been uh, a pleasure and a delight to, to listen to you again and to hear your stories and to, and to get some guidelines of what to look when we're wanting to experience plant-based and have a positive experience. You're more than welcome. It's been a pleasure.